everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Science and Pop Culture with Al the Scientist. We are at episode nine. Uh, wow, I can't believe I actually got to nine episodes. Uh, there's going to be many more, so be ready for that. I'm your host, Alan, a.k.a. Al the Scientist. I'm a PhD student studying Earth and Ocean Sciences. Uh, that's about it. That's <laughs> everything you need to know about me. But... Um, this podcast, I like to go over science headlines and just some nice recent pop culture events. It's been a few weeks, so I'm a bit out of practice. But, um, you know, that's why we just keep doing this thing, get better at it. Anyway, so we're going to start off with our segment of the uh, science articles that I recently found. Not a whole lot. It's been busy since my last recording. So we'll just go over what I did find, which is the first one is... Um, Published from Science News by Jude Coleman on the 25th of May. It's called 5,000 Deep Sea Animals New to Science Turned Up in Ocean Records. Um, as we can see here in the pictures uh, for the video version of the podcast, uh, researchers know of only an estimated 10% of animals like this preserved sea cucumber. That's what the, the thumbnail says. Um, they live in the deep sea ecosystem in the Pacific Ocean that's targeted for mining exploration. So basically this article goes over four to 6,000 meters deep in India, uh, in the Pacific Ocean by India. Um, oh, it's twice, sorry, Jesus Christ, I'm not good at this. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Anyway, there is a zone twice the size of India that sits four to 6,000 meters deep and is largely a mystery between the Pacific, in the Pacific Ocean between Hawaii and Mexico that's uh, been cited for, I believe, mining. And more than 5,000 animal species previously unknown to science live in the area, right? And so I think based... I didn't read the entire article from what I got from it is that like... Uh, these animals are newly recorded and added into a, uh, God, what? <laughs> Sorry, everybody. It's just been a day. It's been an entire day. Um, reported on May 25th in Current Biology, worms, anthropods make up the bulk of the undescribed creatures, but other animals found there include sponges, cucumbers, and corals. Okay, so they're undescribed, which means... We know that they exist there, that there's about 5,000 animals there. Um, but they're largely... Uh, I guess we can identify the types of animals, but we can't really identify those individual uh, like species, it seems. Anyway, this is a really cool graph that shows uh, the percent of... Well, the total number of species in the area, the highlights in blue the like amount of named species and the amount in red as the unnamed species and really it just kind of gives you like a full broad picture of uh, what it is we know as humans about the area and we know nothing not exactly nothing but almost nothing and it's kind of kind of upsetting that this area is going to get you know probably demolished for mining and hopefully we can do a better job of categorizing and uh, describing these animals. And hopefully I can do a better job at categorizing and describing these articles that I want to talk about for this podcast. Next is the um, Watch an Octopus Waking Up from What Scientists Think Could Have Been a Nightmare by Ethan Friedman, published on, I believe it's the 
22nd of May? It says seven days ago. Anyway, it's from LiveScience.com. The last one was from ScienceNews.org. And it's got a video here, right? So we see this octopus. He's just kind of like thrashing about uh, in his tank that's being observed by scientists. Um, and he's like not thrashing about in the sense that he's like, you know, waving his arms all over the place and like uh, in a full-blown planet. But it looks like he's in a state where he's like been sleeping and it's just shaking as people would do or like maybe even your dog would do like when they're in a nightmare and it's nuts because it's like this octopus so you, it's going through like color changes and then some of its legs goes going out and then some of them don't or tentacles like not leg legs and uh it's freaky in the first video this has been recorded several times in the video but the first video had the octopus like shooting out ink at the end of when he finally woke up from the nightmare it's pretty cool to think that these octopuses are able to sleep and then also dream while they're sleeping. And I don't think it's been recorded before. However, some scientists are theorizing that this is not because of the nightmare and that it's actually, that's not a video I want to watch. Um, it's not because of a nightmare. It's because these octopi, octopi, octopuses. Why did I forget? Anyway, but they're on the verge of, um, Dying, I think. Yeah, it's like when they're on the end of their lifespan that they start um, seeing some major health problems, of course, right? That sounds pretty natural and about right. Okay, so lead authors speculate that the animal may have been responding to a negative episodic memory for exhibiting a form of parasomnia, meaning a sleep disorder. But they also, they also caution that nothing here can be definitely concluded by these observations. It's just kind of like a theory that they have from seeing this. Uh, Luis says, Octopeople. Thanks for being here, Luis. I don't know what the heck's going on in this episode. I'm like super nervous to talk. Usually I'm like, go, go, go with all this. Anyway, um, <laughs> Octopeople. That's funny. Okay, so as I was saying, some are saying that it's not because they're having nightmares. It's because they're... Aha, here he goes. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. So I'm not sure... Robin Crook, a comp comparative neurobiologist at San Francisco State University, told Life Science, um, we don't know about the neuroscience of sleep in cephalopods to know if they dream at all, let alone have nightmares. So they have no idea, right? And more study, of course, more research needs to be done. But it's a cool video to see if they're like, like it from like just your, like my eye, it looks like when my dog is having a nightmare. Of course the video is gone but if i refresh the page i'm gonna watch that one more time yeah so like this octopus is hugging the wall while he's in the middle of his sleep maybe and it's like shaking and thrashing about and then like his tentacles start like moving and jittering it's freaky to watch it looks horrifying i feel so bad for the octopi or octopeople and then he's going to, like, shoot his legs out as he wakes up. And then he's going to, like, shoot out ink in a second. Yeah, there it is. Crazy stuff. Absolutely crazy stuff. Okay. So the third article that we're going to talk about is the new 3D scans show the Titanic and all of its sunken glory. 
More than 700,000 images of the shipwreck taken from submersibles have produced a photorealistic 3D digital model. This is by Kevin Hurler, posted on May 17th um, for Gizmodo, gizmodo.com. It's got a nice picture here of the Titanic <laughs> and the 3D model that they produced of the Titanic. This is related to the work I do. Jord96. Yo, what's up, dude? What up? Um, how you doing? Uh, anyway, so the this is related to my work uh, because I've been trying to uh, get a project going where I produ produce a model of oyster reefs using several images, probably like 20 or 30 images. Um, no, that's not even too many. That's too low. I'm in the more like 500 images, right? So and my, the computer that I use takes like hours to process it. I can only take, I can only imagine 700,000 images. That would take maybe all an entire month to process for my computer. So nuts. Um, Jord, it's been, I've been trying so long for someone to react to my edit for a recent clip for my YouTube. Would you mind reacting? It only takes 20 seconds. Um, maybe, man. We'll see. Anyway, uh, so they took, they took these images of the Titanic using two different submersible, um, like op submersible vehicles underwater with high powered camera. And I believe they were called Romeo and Juliet. Uh, there's a comment on this article. That's like, it's, it's either pop good or bad that they didn't name it. Um, Rose and Jack, but I think it's good that he named Rosa Jack. I don't know, I think Romeo and Juliet isn't exactly a creative name choice, but whatever. Anyway, so I kind of like am doing the same thing with Oyster Reese where I'm trying to take like hundreds of images to create this 3D model. And here's the video of the Titanic model. And this is nuts how detailed this thing is. But you can like clearly see like the windows and the railing that's still on the ship and like the cracks in the earth. And then, uh, I think it's only the front half of the ship. I don't know if they got the back half of the ship, but I wish they would like let people download this model so that I could just like roam around the whole thing and like take a look at the other closer details. I wonder if this says anything else in the article about the uh, submersibles. Um, images of three mile wide Titanic wreck uh, below the surface of the Atlantic Ocean. Images were stitched together, creating a 3D. I wish they also said what the program they used. Operating simultaneously to provide third-person view, digital digital twinning process, which I believe is a different kind of photogrammetry process. Mm. Luis, LMAO, they didn't want to jinx it with Rose and Jack. Yeah, yeah they lose one of the submersibles to the deep sea, and the other submersible is just like holding on to it and then just chooses to let go. Or actually, never even, like, grabs it, right? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie. Oh, why am I going to the comment section? We don't need the comment section here, right? This is my show. It's not the comment section show. Okay, anyway, uh, that's all I want to talk about for science articles. I know it's pretty short. Uh, it's a pretty short segment, this episode, but I'm a pretty busy boy, so that's how it is. Anyway, the next thing I want to talk about, our next segment, is just going to be more of the pop culture focus. And we're going to talk about the, ooh, did I get rid of the entire article? Okay, we're going to talk about uh, the PlayStation Showcase that happened last week, the PlayStation Showcase 2023. I've remembered the article that 
went over all the stuff. Actually, I can just look it up. Oh, I have to look it up. Uh, there it is. IGN, everything announced, blah, 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 blah. There was a lot of stuff, right? So the PlayStation Showcase is their, their big, like, E3-like press conference where, press conference, it's more like just a video where they just um, go over all the stuff that they're working on and that they plan on releasing for the PlayStation uh, in the future. doesn't have to be PlayStation exclusive, which is a big uh, kind of discussion point th this time around is that, ooh, they only, didn't, they only showed, like, three games that are exclusive to PlayStation, which, frankly... Who cares it's all pretty cool and if you get to play on a different console that's great too right more money anyway so i'm not going to talk about every game here we're just going to talk about the ones that i thought were super cool and Luis, i don't know if you watch any of these but if you want to talk about any of the ones you thought were super cool please feel free but the first one we're going to talk about is oh come on all right scrolling 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 okay this is phantom blade zero uh I don't know how to describe it besides it looks like ooh, it looks like it's a samurai game it's in this bleak gray world um well it looks like this guy's a samurai at least anyway he looks like Geralt but imagine Geralt was in Japan and he's got this like oh, here's a video that's gonna help me describe at least a little bit he's just like it's kind of like it looks like a Dark Souls game or a soul like what is that company called that made dark souls oh my god why am i forgetting anyway it looks like a dark souls game or a souls like where everyone's gonna be really really tough and really really hard to play but and everything's gloomy and dark and the enemies have this wild variety to them from soft there we go thanks Luis. appreciate it um yeah i mean is this white-haired protagonist samurai guy and Everything else is bleak and dark and artistically, like, almost gothic. And, but the action, at least the way he, like, swings his sword around is, like, super fast and wild. And it, it's kind of remind, it reminds me of, like, old martial arts movies where the, like, movements are, like, crazy fast and, like, kind of unrealistic. But it's still fun and stylistic, which is really, really neat. Oh, my God. So if you, like, we're watching this video, there's this enemy that's, like, wailing around this chain, and then the character runs over behind a pillar, and it, oh my god. <laughs> He's, like, flipping over the pillar to attack the guy, and the swords are just, like, anyway. Really cool game. I thought it looked neat. Will it come out? I don't know. I have no idea how this looks to play. It looks much more fun to watch. So I don't know if anyone could, like, do all those button movements so fast or if that's all just like cutscenes, and then we'll get to the actual gameplay because the trailer makes it seems like this is all gameplay for the most part because it's all an engine or an engine of the game but i have no idea how this will be to actually play right so this right here this looks like a cutscene because he's fighting two guys on a horse uh while he's like driving a carriage and so it doesn't look like he's actually in the middle of combat while that part right there that looks like combat Anyway, he's in the middle of a courtyard now fighting three guys, and it looks like he just did a combo. He's deflecting projectiles. But everything seems really, really stylistic. I'm scared that it's all cutscene and not enough, like, actual gameplay. Um, it's like keep parrying and blocking and doing combo inputs. But anyway, it looks really, really cool. 
Um, I tried to read a little bit more about it. I don't know if I found anything information informational about the world. Phantom World, the universe where this game is set in, is universe where many kinds of powers covered many kinds of powers converge. You'll find Chinese Kung Fu, intricate machines reminiscent of steampunk, arts of the occult, and intriguing stuff that doesn't quite fit in any of these categories. I'm reading this straight from PlayStation blog. Uh, Soulframe Liang, founder and CEO of SE Games. Okay, so SE Games is the developer behind this, uh, behind Phantom Blade Zero. Anyway, it looks really cool. So pretty excited about it. Uh, don't think there was no release date, no, uh, no like time window where it might come out. So I don't know. See you in two years, Phantom Blade Zero. I went to the main website. There's not a whole lot of information here either. Wait, no. Oh, that's just the art studio. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, well, that makes sense why there was no information here. Anyway, art looks pretty neat. All right, we're going to move on to the next game that I thought was interesting, which is Towers of Aghaspa. Um, so from what I got, this is a kind of like a base building game where you were part of this native people that used to live in this land and all the animals of the land have finally like reclaimed the space and they don't want the humans there because humans obviously screwed up before so uh you have to build this society in this land that's like kind of barren and uh, destroyed because humans before um looks pretty crafty where you got to like get a bunch of resources they're making all these buildings but there's these really cool animals they're like they, there's this like this turtle god in the trailer if we go back oh there he is look at him he's got a weird nose anyway um and so you have to appease all the gods and you have to create a society that doesn't destroy the environment around it and works with the society but the cool thing is that it's not just you're building on land or maybe you are just building on land but from the trailer you seem to be um you like also go into the water and you get to see all these animals and species that live in the water. And it's all like, it's not like design, like, you know, the regular animals we see every day. There's like these special characteristics and designs to them. And in this part of the trailer, there's like flying around in the sky and messing with these giant flying Leviathan whale things. And then he's picking up this urchin Pokemon off the whale's back as a resource. And that's pretty cool. I wonder, like, if you could build any buildings on these creatures, or maybe you can get, like, tall enough. Anyway, it looks pretty neat and artistic. Uh, it's kind of brown and gray, and it's not really green until you start building things or, like, you know, bringing health back to the nature around it. But the under underwater sections, of however very little we saw, look pretty neat and vibrant in color. Uh, kind of reminds me of Way of Water get these suggestions out here yeah look at all these fish and bigger fish and uh kelp and corals that are around here looks pretty cool i wonder Ooh, was there a release date i don't know i don't know Ooh, uh towers actually is set to re towers of agaspa is set to release on the ps5 in summer of 2024 all right so i guess i'll see you next year hopefully Hopefully no delays, right? Dreamlit is thrilling to introduce. Dreamlit is the uh, developer for this game. 
extremely yeah okay players build vast settlements and grow sprawling ecosystems on their fantasy island okay well i guess you're also building the island as well or building like ecosystems on the island so that's pretty cool uh i wanted to read more but i think it's good if we just move on to the next one that looked cool and the next one that looked cool was uh ooh, neva right okay so straight up this trailer is really really sad it's not like positive um let's, okay, let's get it playing right now right so this is like things are dying the world is like really cute and nice but there seems to be this corruption of black flowers i don't know what that rep it probably represents something but there's this girl uh she's got like curly white hair and then there's this like wolf deer god kind of looks like um princess mononoke kind of a mix of like the forest creature but yeah obviously it's a forest guardian oh and there's the corruption corruption's here messing with your character messing with the like forest god and it's like in the trailer the forest god doesn't make it all right everybody is sad the main character is sad the forest god wolf has a pup and the pup is sad and so everyone's thing is just sad and there might be little glimpses of hope here with their friendship but it's a sad trailer and it really uh bummed the mood of the showcase the whole showcase um made by normata studio it is made by or these people made a game called greece which people seem to love i've never i've heard of it but i never played it and that was a very very long time ago from what i remember anyway neva is our newborn baby a love song dedicated to our children our parents and our planet it tells the moving tale of a young woman and her lifelong bond with a magnificent wolf as they embark on a thrilling adventure through a rapidly dying world so um i believe it's a 2d action adventure game yeah because it seems these screenshots here are 2d but there's like this wide like valley shots that are pretty cool to look at and oh look she's jumping through like floating platforms and floating islands and there's this cool swamp image okay players will be facing platforming puzzles combat challenges while dealing with monstrous enemies as ever we've also wanted to craft a polished experience with minimal ui dedicated art high-quality traditional animation, and an elegant musical score. We think we've achieved that, and we can't wait for players to experience it for themselves. Um, I don't think a date was given. Oh, here's here's the number, 2024. So that looks pretty neat. Uh, pretty excited to be sad about that. So uh, I guess I'll cry next year. I'll see you guys then. Next is... I think it's actually my favorite? Probably my favorite. Introducing Sword of the Sea, a new game from Giant Squid. I'm also getting this from the PlayStation blog. I got the last one from the PlayStation blog, so heads up on that. Um, do, 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 do. Surf across in undulated landscapes and unveil a lost ocean in Sword of the Sea. So this is a game where this guy is surfing on a sword through oceans of sand and uh sand dunes that already sounds really cool if you don't know squid games are the people who made uh journey which is a game about uh like this wanderer that goes through like sands and temples in the sand and 
has to get to like this mountain beacon. Uh, they also made Abzu, which is a game about like diving into the ocean and discovering this ancient people. And it's got like really detailed artistic, uh, like ocean settings and reef settings and deep sea settings. So that was all cool. So it looks like they're combining both because they have this guy surfing through the sand oceans. So sounds awesome. Uh, the art style is pretty consistent throughout all the games they've made. I've never made the path list, so I should probably get to that at some point. But you can see here this guy, he's surfing through the dunes. He's going to these temples, and he would, like goes to this temple. And I'm not sure what he's doing, but it looks like he's like bringing water to the temple. And as he like does that, the sand turns into water, and then there's fish and rays within the sand. And that looks real, really pretty, really cool. So I'm excited about that. There's also this giant... Uh, wait... Let me go to that part of the trailer. I might have missed it. But it looks like there's this giant kelp snake thingy mechanical. It's humongous. It's like giant kaiju-sized thing. So pretty excited about that. Don't know what that's about. Is it a boss fight? Is it a platforming section? I don't know. But I'm very excited to find out. So let's see here what else it says. Um, Sword of Sea is our most ambitious game to date. Taking place in an abandoned realm where the terrain flows in constant waves sort of see his feature a brand new movement mechanic the hover sword cool name i guess anyway hover sword embodies the feel of snowboarding and skating games but is an entirely new context of adventure all right sure why not you are a wraith oh okay is that too much should i keep reading a resurrected resurrected in a desolate world and tasked with restoring life as you explore submerged ruins and vibrant varied cultures within just sounds exactly like abzu and uh, journey, so I'm all aware, but beware, the land is all home to massive leviathans that will stand in your way. Awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. Uh, stay tuned for updates and release dates. Okay, so we don't know when this is coming out. I'm gonna give it... Um, I mean, judging by the state of how it looks, I would say end of next year. Okay. See you 2024. Okay. Boom, boom, and let me close this. Uh, those are the ones that I really, really want to highlight, but let's talk about a few other ones that I saw. Let's see, I have a whole list here, right? I have about like one, two, three. Okay, I talked about three games. No, talk about four games. Uh, the other game I wanted to talk about, actually, if we go back to the PlayStation blog, yeah, we're going to go back to the place and we're like, oh, okay, yeah. This is the, I guess we'll talk about this one because uh, it's not the one I'm most excited for, but I did love the first one, and that's obviously Marvel's Spider-Man. And in this showcase, they went over a whole gameplay reveal for Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Last trailer we got was like, uh, I don't know, a year ago? Maybe over a year ago? And anyway, it seems that we're going through Peter Parker's symbiont arc. Uh, and by that, I mean, he's got the Venom suit. And this time, Miles is there to, like, watch Peter be an asshole for an entire game. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, man. Jeez. Sorry, guys, I'm coming over a cold, too, as well. Anyway, and now I'm sure Parker's not going to be an asshole the entire game. But Miles is going to be there like, dude, what are you doing? You're being mean. The suit's not good for you. And, uh... In the gameplay reveal, it seemed like this is the first time that... It's not the first time Peter is wearing the suit, but it's the first time that Miles is experiencing Peter wearing the suit. 
They're both going after the lizard, but the lizard is being hunted by Craven the Hunter, and the Craven hasn't been in this series of yeah the game series before, but the lizard has. We know that from what I remember, he's in his symbiont era. What is, <laughs> what is it, Louise? Don't insult me. <laughs> but um, from what I remember from the first game, uh, that was Spider-Man's first adventure was going after the lizard because in the first game you went and collected backpacks throughout New York and the backpacks gave you lore to what's going on in this world. Pretty sure the lizard already existed. So I wonder how the lizard plays into this. Does it like a comeback? Does he break out of prison? Maybe he broke out of prison. Seems to be that way. Craven seems to be a big bad. He's like busting up everybody. And if we go to the, oh yeah, we have the trailer here. So let's maybe zip through a little bit of the trailer. But I like that they started with, um, we didn't know that Peter was going to be in the symbiote suit. We knew that uh, Venom was going to be around because of the previous trailer had Venom at the end, uh, kind of threatening both Miles and Peter. So probably towards the middle or end of the game, Peter's going to lose the symbiote suit. But I do like that in this gameplay that we see um, there's a special set of powers just for the symbiote, right? We have the powers and abilities for Spider-Man on the right-hand side. It seems to be controlled by R1, but the symbiote powers are controlled by L1. So that's pretty neat that you have like both going on at the same time. I have no idea how that's going to work, but uh, I have full faith because Spider-Man on PS4, uh, that's a near-perfect game to me. I know maybe not everyone shares that opinion, but I think it's a pretty phenomenal game. Anyway, uh, you know we see through dialogue that uh, Miles is like still with Genki, or Genki, and Genki's like, you know, his guy in the chair, and it's helping him out. Oh, another thing we see here in the gameplay is that there's this wingsuit that helps them fly through the t the New York. That's going to help really well with traversal. However, I'm afraid if it will, like, completely remove the need for swinging, you might swing enough and then just, like, wingsuit all the way through New York. I just want to keep swinging in the thing. The wingsuit makes total and perfect sense, and I think it's a good gameplay innovator. But swinging is classic, and I hope the good vibes of swinging aren't removed. But, of course, it's obviously just a gameplay choice, and I could just choose not to use the wingsuit. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. I do like in the stealth... Like, this gameplay showed so much, like, improvement over the predecessor because we hear we have uh, Miles is creating his own lines, his own balancing wires to walk through, which in the previous game, there was only the ones that existed already in the set. So by creating your own vantage points, you get your own like stealth attacks and ways of going about and taking down foes and stuff like that. So that's all really cool. I like seeing these gameplay improvements uh, like showcased and we see them both for both and we see them for both Miles and Peter and that we get to play both of them. There's a switch between them. It's teased that we can switch between them at any time and maybe during story missions. It's like at specific moments you can switch them. But we'll find out when we advance there, right? Uh, anyway, set piece still looks cool. This set piece also showcases that um, not only are we allowed to go to Queens, which was shown in the beginning of the demo, but now we're going over like the ocean of New York. And New York was kind of a closed off island in the first game, but we're seeing that there's much more going on outside of Manhattan, that we're going like all throughout the water, 
stuff like that just like the area outside and i'm very excited to see where that will take us uh but yeah um this comes out the end of this year let's see oh yeah we also know from the trailer that craven is hunting all of the other villains uh and will probably hunt spider-man in the process he's probably hunting all of them because he's like bored of hunting i don't know other humans i guess whatever craven stuff I never liked Craven, but I'm sure this game will make me think he's okay. So we'll see about that. Anyway, this game comes out in fall of 2023. The next thing we're going to talk about is Assassin's Creed Mirage. Let's see if I can find. There it is. Revealed launch of October. Okay, so Assassin's Creed comes out October, so that's pretty great. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm not really that big on Assassin's Creed anymore. Oh my god, I have to input my age. You guys don't need to know when I was born. But I'm sure that's not hard to find out. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's Assassin's Creed Mirage, the next in the Assassin's Creed franchise a departure from the last few games in the series because the last few games in the series were these uh kind of rpg based games that didn't focus on stealth like at least i'm not going to say not at all but they didn't focus much right so we had the assassin's creed origins which was in egypt we had assassin's creed odyssey which was in greece and then we had valhalla which was was it called valhalla maybe but it was a Viking romp. Anyway, uh, those games had little focus on stealth. It seems this one is going back to basics. It looks a lot like the first game in the series, the first Assassin's Creed. Um, and he's going around. He's stealthily taking enemies out. There's people that are like, oh, you can't go in there. You can't. You should go find a way to get in there without being seen. Um, I'm not mocking it. That sounds cool. I like that the series is kind of going back to uh, what made it popular in the first place. I don't know if that's actually enough to drag me back into the franchise. I just feel like there's been too much going on and I'm so far gone that I'm not that interested in uh, hopping back in. But it is cool to see that things are coming back. Um, I'd like to see an actual gameplay demo and maybe that might sway me. But as of right now, I'm not that too interested. Where does this... Oh, let's get a little more details. Where does it take place, huh? Do, 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 do. For the 15th anniversary of the brand. Oh, my God. I'm feeling old. Um, exciting experience and a new adventure as Basim while immersing through the vibrant golden age of Baghdad. Cool. Check out the new gameplay trailer. Um, you will continue your journey to Basim, one of the most versatile and resourceful assassins in franchise history. Seeing new features in the gameplay, assassins focus which allows Basim to mark and assassinate several targets in a row. Oh, so that's kind of like uh, the... Oh, my God. It was in Batman. They had it in Arkham Asylum, the multi-takedown or whatever, where you just... Choo, 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 just, like, taking down multiple enemies. I mean, that's good, because uh, I think... I feel like the Arkham games uh, had a lot of inspiration from the Assassin's Creed franchise in a sense of, like, being able to do takedowns really quickly and silently. And just those kind of mechanics. So it's good to see the Assassin's Creed franchise kind of also borrowing from the Batman games, uh, the Arkham games, and, like, sharing of uh, 
inspirations, right? That's pretty cool. Anyway, doo -doo -doo. it seems we're getting a little bit more gameplay stuff in here in this description. You also get a classic Assassin's Creed tools, such as throwing knives and smoke bombs. We also have a brand new parkour ingredient, the pole vault. Uh, singular play style and action, exciting Assassin's Creed playground of Baghdad. Staying true to hidden one's training, but seems generally favors quiet movements and discreet approach to hunt and strike his targets. As part of his black box missions, the game provides various opportunities for Basim to leverage and help him make his way to his targets. Which flavor will you choose? Woo. Anyway, um, I think it's really cool. I'm not knocking it. I'm just not interested, unfortunately. The next one we're going to talk about is, please be right here, Alan Wake 2. I know, Alan is talking about Alan. I never played Alan Wake. I bought them on Steam years ago. Uh, never played it. I know the remake came out last year, and I'm very interested in getting into it because I really, really loved Control, and Control had that DLC for Alan Wake, and then later on I learned that like it's actually connected directly with Alan Wake and that they're both set in the same universe. So I'm interested to see if Alan Wake 2 has uh, the Department of Control coming in and like labeling everything as... AWEs and other things like that and how the control universe plays uh with this one but it looks freaky this trailer is um really well edited and the scares are pretty high uh and it looks beautiful I really am interested in going into the first game uh I think I will after Resident Evil okay so after Resident Evil I will be playing um Dead Space and after Dead Space I'll probably play the first Alan Wake and hopefully um, by that time, we'll get to Alan Wake 2. I'm not... When is this coming out? This is coming out later this year. Anyway, it seems like you're playing two characters. You're playing Alan Wake, and you're also playing uh, this FBI agent. Or maybe you're just playing this FBI agent. Or from what I know, Alan Wake is uh, stuck in this little horror universe thing, and this FBI agent is in the town that the first Alan Wake takes in, is trying to figure out what happened to alan wake or sam lake i don't know anyway i'm pretty interested never played the first alan wake or alan wake remastered no need to worry as players who have missed out on the first one can easily dive into the sequel without any prior experience or knowledge of the game's story oh well that's cool i think i'll do it anyway so just get my full lore it was important for us to create an approach and experience for new players without forgetting our long-standing fans wait who's developing this again this is developed by remedy that's right um, another key piece of us was ensure that we respect fundamental survivor horror principles, make the gameplay challenging for experienced players, yet easy to navigate for those who want to focus and enjoy the game's rich, layered story. Awesome. A string of ritualistic murders threatens Bright Falls, a small town community surrounded by the Pacific Northwest wilderness. Anderson, an accomplished FBI agent will have a reputation for, with a reputation for solving impossible cases, arrives to investigate the murders. Soon the events spiral into a nightmare, which she discovers pages of horror story that start to come true around her. Somehow the events seem to lead to Alan Wake, the horror writer who went missing 13 years ago. Cool. Anyway, it all looks really cool. I'm all very excited. Maybe I'll play it. I think it comes out at the end of this year? Coming in a few months. Oh, wait, 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 wait. If we go to the trailer... October 17th, 2023. Wow, that's coming out real soon, so... Hopefully I'll have time to play the first one. Or maybe I'll play the first one, and then by the time I'm done with the first one, the second one will be on sale. Hooray. 
Okay, I think. Oh, um. How long have I been streaming? Uh, doesn't matter. Because we're going to talk about one last thing. And that's going to be the. I don't think they have a picture of it on their blog, which is. Yeah, there's no picture of it on the PlayStation blog, which I find interesting. But they announced their little side device. Uh, it's called Project Q. I really want to get an image up before I start, like, jibber-jabbing about it. Project. There we go. Sony announced a device codenamed Project Q. Thank you, IGN. IGN, you always got the articles. So, this thing looks weird. It looks like a PlayStation controller cut in half. Come on, show me that image. Yeah, look at that thing. Look at that thing. It literally looks like a PlayStation image, or a PlayStation controller, just cut directly in half, and put a TV there, or a little, like, tablet there, right? So is their answer to the Switch or the Steam Deck? Probably more likely the Steam Deck. But the thing is, this thing only works off of Wi-Fi, and it's streaming directly from your PlayStation. So your PlayStation has to be on, and you have to be on Wi-Fi, right? And so it's not a Switch, because you can't just put games into it. You can't take the controllers off. Those controllers on the side of it are always there. And uh, you can't, like, there's no, like, thing, device that where you can just, like, stick it and then it'll, like, go to the TV. Or you can't switch between the TV and the controller. Or at least that's what I think is going on with it so far. It is weird. It features an eight, I'm reading from the article now. It features an 8-inch screen and a controller attached to either side, making it look like a DualSense controller with a screen instead of a touchpad. Okay, so it's not even it's not a touchpad. Um, this <laughs> this way you'll be able to play The Last of Us on the toilet. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen reliably through the Stream Deck for a while. Okay, sure. Um, we don't know what the software looks like. Yeah, we have no idea what the software looks like. This is kind of this video, like the video they had for it was very weird it was just kind of like and then we also have project q and it's like a rotating like this is what it looks like in the front this is what it looks like in the back no like person playing it with it you have no idea how this thing works in the real world it's just like it's still called project q so that's kind of tells you like where and what stage they're at with it i'm very surprised they announced this thing without having like a full plan for it. I mean, you could have just said it in like a press. Well, the, okay, so the, that the showcase is a press release. So I guess cool that it's here, but I think more details should have been shown before they really went over it. But oh well, I guess. Um, hopefully it's cool. Hopefully it's cheap because if the thing's over $100, I don't think it's going to be worth anybody's time. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't buy it. I would not buy that. I have no need for it. I think. Anyway, uh, that's all I want to talk about for the uh, the PlayStation Showcase. Um, we're going to start wrapping up here. So I'll just go through some other quick thoughts that I had since the last episode. Yeah, so now, just <laughs> I guess since we're in the quick thought segment, my thought is that I'm now going to have keep this format of three different segments where I have the science article segment where I go into a little bit of depth of a few science articles that I found. Um, then I'll go into like a little pop culture discussion 
where I talk about uh, one or maybe even a few pop culture subjects that happened since the last episode. Then for the last and final part, uh, we'll do like a quick little vlog. What's going on with me? And what are some other things that happened since the last episode that I want to chat about that are like fun to talk about on stream and then podcast. First thing is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I saw that. That was a pretty good movie. I thought it was... I Now I've had plenty of time to think about it. And I agree with you, Luis, that I think it is better than the first one. You think that it's miles above the first one? I don't. Um, I think it's really, really, really... It's got a very strong emotional core. I have been thinking a lot about um, the differences between Guardians of the because I, I, I watched all of them. I watched the first one, the third one, the first one, the second one, the third one. I wanted to watch Suicide Squad, be, or the one that James Gunn directed, just to like get the whole director vibe um, and see what's changing and going on in his mind. I think the Suicide Squad is better than this, better than Guardians 3. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it's equal. Or maybe I just like, Maybe I just like King Shark more. Anyway, uh, anyway, I don't want to go. We're not doing a full review of this, of this episode. I just think Guardians of the Galaxy was a really good movie, and I think people should go watch it, even if they haven't seen the other ones. You might get lost. Uh, lots to see, lots to laugh about, lots to cry about. So, go ahead and watch it. Um, and other pop culture stuff. I started Better Call Saul. That's not really for uh, everybody. Some people have been telling me to watch it for a very long time. I just want to say that I started. I'm four episodes in. I haven't watched Breaking Bad since the finale when it premiered all those years ago. And I haven't started Better Call Saul until a few days ago. So I'm getting... I'm liking it. It's, it's really funny right now. Um, I just forgot how much I didn't enjoy the... like. I don't know how to describe it. It's like moments of nothing that have vast importance. Or moments... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are moments of nothing with vast importance that happen a lot in the show. That's how I'm going to describe it. That may make sense to you if you've seen the shows. If you haven't, I don't know how else to describe it. Those, as cool as they are and a stylistic choice, I don't like them. That's just my, <laughs> that's my take on that. Um... But I'll get over it. I think the show is really funny, and I like the um, I like all the dialogue. Breaking Bad is also really good at the dialogue, so I'm in it. Uh, I'll let you guys know how I feel about it when I finish it. Um, the next thing that oh the last I guess the last thing I'm going to talk about is that I oh not the last thing second to last thing uh, I'm working through this book, the National Geographic's Complete Photo Guide: How to Take Better Pictures because I used to kind of be into photography. I took a class back in high school, a long ass time ago, probably over 10 years ago. Uh, and I kind of want to get back into it. I haven't bought a camera yet. I want to see what I can do with my smartphone before I invest money into a camera. Um, I would say this book is inspirational. It gives you a lot of things to think about in sense of like, uh, just what you should be looking for when creating a photo and some things you should look out for like texture and uh patterns and the rules of the rules of third and how breaking those rules is important to create uh great photo great photos 
And it's also got assignments that people should do to like practice their skills. And so I'm going through those assignments and I will probably post, make some like social media posts about the assignments and my results of each of those assignments. But hopefully it'll help me out with the plan of forward story that I'm trying to write. And also that's another thing is I'm trying to write a story for plan of forward. So I'll get more details and probably dedicate the whole episode to that at some point. Anyway, the last thing I want to say is I want to thanks for the say thanks for the 40 followers on Twitch. Uh, doesn't sound like a lot to me. That is a lot. It's been I had I started this maybe like a year and a half ago, but I had a giant hiatus. And so I'm very, very happy and very thankful uh, that people were tuning in and listening and those who are tuning and listening to the podcast and the Twitch. So that means tomorrow for my stream. I will be building uh, that thing, the uh, Lego Horizon Zero Dawn Tall Neck, uh, as a special. I do that. Did that for my last stream special when I got the thirty followers. I did the Star Wars ATAT Lego, and so I'll be doing the Tall Neck Lego for tomorrow's stream. Uh, please tune in, and I hope you all enjoy that. Uh, and that's gonna be it. So we're gonna close out today's episode. Um, again. Thank you all for watching. I can't do this uh, without your support. If you haven't already, please follow, uh, subscribe um, on whatever podcast service you're listening to. Uh, if you're watching the video versions, you know, please subscribe and follow on YouTube. And I can't do this without you. Leave a comment. If you have tips or thoughts, please send them my way. I would love to hear from you. Anything that will help me improve, I'm willing to listen. Uh but yeah, that's going to be it. Uh, stay safe, everybody. And I will try to get my next episode out next week. Bye.